You are listening to Elder Law Answers for Attorneys. Elder Law Answers is the leading provider of web-based practice development tools for elder law attorneys. We help firms reach clients with tools designed by elder law attorneys for elder law attorneys. I'm Rebecca Hobbs, the National Director of Elder Law Answers and a practicing elder law attorney in the Philadelphia area. In each episode of Elder Law Answers for Attorneys, we will chat with leading experts in the field of elder law, marketing, and practice development. Our guest today is Mark Gilfix, a practicing elder law attorney in California. Prior to practicing law, Mark was a management consultant at the Monitor Group, which was founded by a celebrated Harvard Business School author, Michael Porter. He also enjoyed a career as a professional actor and writer, appearing on several network TV shows you may all recognize, including CSI New York, 90210, and The Young and Restless. So thanks for joining us, Mark. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So today's episode is the art of the initial consultation, um, which is such an important topic for all attorneys and especially elder law attorneys. Um, So today we're going to be discussing building trust and rapport with potential clients, selling your services, and tips for getting the client to retain you. Um, So Mark, you know, when we talk about initial consultations, um, the logistics of those, so how do you um, offer those? Do you offer free consultations? That seems to be the question that so many attorneys pose. Yeah, so it's a good question. And so our firm, we're here in Palo Alto, California, the heart of Silicon Valley. Uh, We've been around for 35 years. So we have a pretty good client base. We do a lot of public seminars. People generally know us. So we actually very rarely offer free consultations. Um, That being said, that's not the right answer for many attorneys, especially if you're just starting out. If you're not known in your community, if you haven't been out there that much, that's not tenable for everybody. Um, And we do sometimes give talks with specific groups that we really have a great relationship with where we will offer a 30 minute free consultation. And usually if people give us an inquiry through our website, we'll offer a 15 to 20 minute um, free initial chat. there's you know, a lot of different decisions go into whether you offer a free consult or not, but let's assume you do offer a free consult because I think many attorneys do. Um, and that's where you have to think about what do you want to require from this potential client before you give them 15 to 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 60 minutes of your time. You know, you don't, you want them to value what you're doing, whether it's free or whether you're charging. If you're charging, they've already crossed that hurdle. They've already agreed to pay you. They already value you to some extent. And that's one of the reasons we don't offer free consultations at our firm. But that being said, you know, we probably have a few more clients if we did offer free consults. But if you do offer a free consult, I think it is important to require something of the potential client just to make sure that they value your time. Um, whether that's an initial simple questionnaire or just making sure that everybody who might be involved in the decision-making process um, is involved on the call. A lot of different ways to do that, but there's no right or wrong answer. Um, You know, it's important to try to build some relationship before that initial uh, paid meeting. So either way, no right or wrong answer, but but, uh, you have to make sure that you have a good process, whether you do free or not. Yeah, I agree. We do something similar here as far as we don't offer free consultations generally. Sometimes we'll do, like you uh, mentioned, like a 30-minute consultation, but making them put some kind of effort into it before the um, appointment is a great idea because then they come prepared for the meeting as well and can kind of, um, you know, make that consultation work for them also. 
Exactly. And I, and I think getting someone to take some action, you know, if it's a not, a, again, if it's, if they're paying you, they've already taken the action, they're paying you by definition, they're committing in some way, but if they're not paying you, I do think some steps, you don't want to overburden anybody, but some steps that they take to commit makes it more likely they're going to work with you in the long term. Because if, if it's just a free, you know, 10, 15 minute chat with no information before or nothing else, you might win them over. And, and we can talk about some tactics and ways to build that relationship to do it. But there's less of a connection with them. Right. Now, once the client gets there, so let's say they, they did their homework, they're at your office, you're getting ready to meet with them. I mean, that first meeting, that consultation is so important because they're interviewing you in a way. They're gauging whether they like you, whether you're the right fit for them. So what do you suggest should be those first conversation starters, those initial questions you should engage with the client? Yeah, I think that's, I think what you just hit on, the initial questions, the initial starts to the conversation are so, so important. And I think you mentioned my my acting background and, and so much about professional acting or acting in general is about connecting. And so I think that served me really, really well as an attorney. My goal at the beginning of a meeting is not to prove to them how smart I am or how much I know. It's to connect and it's to build that relationship. Um, And that means getting to know them. So I, I won't start my meetings with, okay, so what are the legal issues I can help you with? I start with questions that have nothing to do with the law. It's about getting to know them. I'll I'll often ask something like, hey, where are you from originally? You know, what was your journey out here to Silicon Valley? Tell me something about yourself. Um, and some people are resistant to that because they're here seeing a lawyer, especially if they're paying. They want to get right to the point. And I will actually gently push back and say, you know what, this is, I just want to get to know you. It'll help everything going forward because the, the better your connection, the more you'll communicate, the more you'll get to the real issues. Um, so I'll, I'll point out to them that there's value in it, or I'll gently keep pushing the conversation back. To those personal questions, even if they start peppering me with legal questions at the beginning, I will make a conscious effort not to get too much into the law. And usually even we have a lot of engineers here in Silicon Valley. I'm sure many attorneys out there can relate to engineer clients yeah. and they, they have their bullet point list. They want to get right to the right. point often. And even our toughest engineer clients, again, at the beginning, it can be a little bit tough, but I will always push it back. Just tell me a little bit more about you. Tell me about where you came from. Tell me about your your professional background, and that will usually open up other doors. And I'll just go with the conversation, and then I'll kind of move into, okay, so what are the specific questions that you have about how I can help you? Tell me more about what you're concerned about, Um, and I'll wait. I I try not to give my spiel or to give them any information until I've spent at least five to ten minutes listening and asking probing questions, just following up whatever they say. I want to take whatever they say and follow that up, just keep going deeper a little bit about them. And I want people to open up. Um, and that's, I think, how you, you you start a good relationship. It's about getting to know them. It's not about peppering them with information or showing them how smart you are. Right. And I think that's so important because, um, you know, as attorneys, we're taught in law school to ask questions, to try to pick apart statements. And when you're first meeting a client, you need to do the opposite. You know, you need to listen to them and hear what they have to say, which is such... Such a good point. What do you say, though, Mark, to those attorneys that just aren't, we don't have those, the acting background, or maybe they're not the best conversationalists? What are some things they can do to get better and to learn how to connect with clients? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, I think, think of how you talk to your friends. You know, when you see a friend you haven't seen for a while, what are the questions you ask them? How do you connect with them? Um, 
the business world and the, the legal world doesn't have to be so formal. It's scary to talk to lawyers. It's scary to sometimes to think about the issues that we help people in the world of elder. Want to open them up? So ask open-ended questions. You know, just listen attentively. It's not so much about what you say. Just try to ask. Rather than worrying about how do I get to, to know this person, how do I like them, just be inquisitive, be curious mm -hmm. about them, um, and really try to connect with them as a human first before you get into the law. And, and just taking a step back, why do people come to see an elder law attorney? There are plenty of websites where you can do cheap documents or get cheap advice. They're looking for someone who can walk them through the process. You know, the people, by definition, if they're talking to you, they know they want someone to help them through this. And they want, they, they probably wouldn't talk to you if they didn't already know that you sort of know what you're doing. So that's, I don't think we have to spend as much time as we might think showing them how smart we are, but they definitely want to work with someone who they feel good about, who they feel comfortable with. Um, and that actually serves everybody better because if you feel, feel comfortable with your professional services provider, you're going to ask them better questions. You're going to communicate better with them, allowing us to serve clients better. So, you know, ask open-ended questions be curious about your potential clients. Try to understand who they are, what makes them tick, what, what keeps them up at night, and that'll help us get to the legal issues more efficiently and I think more effectively. Um, so Mark, after we get through that beginning part of the consultation where we do the introductions, we're kind of listening, learning about the client, um, how do you then transition and kind of lead into asking those questions that we need to know in order to provide that advice to the client without seeming like we're interrogating the client? Absolutely. So when we get into legal issues, I think some of the initial conversation will actually give you some of the answers you need. You know, one of the things when I'm talking to a potential client that I always want to know is how many kids do you have? And more importantly, what are your relationships like with your kids? How are your kids doing? And that will often lead to some of the specific legal issues that we have to deal with. So sometimes you'll actually be surprised with, with how much information you'll get in just learning about the client that actually answers some of the legal issues that you need to, to address later. Um, I think it's just kind of a, there's an art to it. It's just kind of feeling out the conversation, especially if it's a time-limited conversation, with most, most of our conversations are. Okay. There's a point Usually for me, if it's a 15, if it's, let's say it's a 20 minute call after four, three to four minutes, I will want to transition and say, okay, well, from what you're saying, here are some issues that I see. Um, if they haven't gone over their legal background, like do they have existing documents in place? I'll get into some of that stuff. I'll just try to transition and say, one way I'll do it is say, hey, it's great to get to know a little bit more about you. That helps me understand some of the issues we have to deal with. Now, let me ask you some specific questions that will help guide me more specifically to some solutions and ways we can help you. Um, so there's no exact way to do it. There's always, you kind of have to feel out the timing for that. You, of course, want to make sure there's enough time to get to legal questions. And then more importantly, to let them ask me questions. You know, I want right. to learn more about them. And then I think you want to make sure that you have enough time to give them some specific action items and recommendations that are very specific to them, ideally with some other client stories or examples of how you've helped people in their specific situation. You know, there's no right or wrong way to do that, but you have to just kind of feel it out. And with some people, right. if you have a great connection right away, maybe you go a little bit more quickly to the legal issues. If you already can feel that you're kind of vibing with them. For other people, if you're not feeling it as much, you might spend a little bit more time probing them 
just to get to know them again as a human before you get to know them as a potential client. So no right or wrong way to do it. And then we all have our own set of questions we like to ask on the legal side that I think it's good to just have a standard set of questions you always want to ask. Um, but again, you might answer some of those questions in the first part of the conversation. Right, right. So then that leads us kind of to that topic that a lot of attorneys don't like to talk about, which is selling our services. And which astounds me because so much of what we do really is making sure that we get the client and that they, you know, retain us so that we can help them. Um, What are your tips for attorneys that aren't comfortable with that concept of selling their services and how do we artfully do that in an initial consultation? I think the first thing is we need to rethink what we do. We are all in sales. I mean, you can hear this all throughout the business world. Everybody's in sales. I mean, sales just means convincing people to work with you in some one way or another. That's that's what we do. So we have to, first of all, I think, take away any stigma we have associated with that. The legal field is so interesting in that we try to hold ourselves to this unique standard that we're kind of above it all. But the reality is there are, again, there are a lot of non-lawyers creating all kinds of services that they claim can replace lawyers. Our competition has no problem selling themselves, even if they don't know what they're doing, even if they don't do a good job of getting past the surface. So what I try to do is, again, the first part is if you can build that genuine connection, the selling is a lot easier. That it kind of is selling, frankly, when you when you connect with clients. The next part, though, is to give clients specific ways you can add value to them. You don't have to be pushy. You don't have to be salesy. It can just be a simple explanation of, okay, here's some of the issues I see, and here's some of the ways we deal with this. And I, you don't want to overcomplicate it, but you also want to emphasize that, look, I don't know everything about your situation now, but what What I try to emphasize is that we can look in your situation in a holistic way. We're going to look at legal issues. We're going to look at tax issues. We're going to look at long-term care issues. And we're going to make sure that your solution really covers all of that. And that's really what makes us special. And I'll often phrase it as, this is something we're very proud of about what we can do for clients rather than, hey, we're better than anybody else. You know, I don't like to denigrate competition. I like to rather lift ourselves, lift my role up, you know, and and brag in brag, not brag is not maybe the right word, but talk about how proud I am of what we can do for clients and maybe give some examples of where things are a little bit more complicated than they might seem. Um, One big differentiator for us, and maybe for a lot of people who are listening to this, if you're in the world of of elder law, is helping people think bigger picture about long-term care and about how you can plan for more than just, hey, what happens after I'm gone? I'll emphasize how important these documents are while you're alive. And, and I'll, yeah. I'll try to frame things not in the sense of doom and gloom, but how can you empower the right people? How can you bring your family into the process? How can you link generations together as you do this type of planning? So you have to think about what makes you special. You know, why are you an elder law attorney? Why are you in this field? Think back to that. What makes you proud about being an attorney in this field? And that should really inform how you talk about how you can help your clients. Because, you know, if you don't feel proud about what you're doing, then maybe you should rethink why you're doing it or think about why did you go into this field? And that should really guide how you talk to clients. Don't think about I'm the best because I can do X, Y, and Z. Um, But you can kind of say that in different ways. You know, if you, again, talk about 
maybe tell some specific stories about, hey, I just actually worked with someone in a very similar situation to you. I think there are a lot of great solutions that we can work with, but it's critical that we really meet and dig into this because I'm not doing my job unless I really get to know you and really learn more about your situation to make sure we have a great holistic approach. You want to keep reframing it. You're not competing with LegalZoom. You're not competing with some online website, uh, online service. You are showing them you're going to go beyond the surface and take a look at things holistically. And I think that kind of sells thing in, sells in, in its own way and shows the, the potential client how you're different and how you can really help them. Right, right. Now, what about when it comes to, you know, you've got them, you've explained what you can do for them, um, and you seem to be connecting with the client, and then you present them with what the cost of your services is going to be. How do you get them to the point where they're ready to actually retain you? That's a, that's a good question. There's no, some people are ready right away. Um, it, it depends on how they're coming in. Sometimes people will say, Hey, I'm calling a bunch of, a few, I'm interviewing a few different attorneys and I want to see who the right fit is. Um, a lot of people will say, Oh, I have to talk to my wife or my husband, which is if it's over the phone, at least. Um, right. and some of this goes to a lot of people. Uh, um, if you're going to do a free in-person meeting, you'll say, you know what? I really want to make sure every decision maker is there, or I, I don't want to meet with you unless both of you, or if it's a husband and wife, I need to meet with both of you. I don't want just one and say, uh, well, my, my hourly fee is X. And then depending on what we do, you know, th- these are the range of fees for other things, but I just assure you it's an investment. Um, it's something that will serve you and your family incredibly well long-term and getting this done the right way up front will serve you so, so well. It will save you so much money down the road. You might make updates and we're here for you, but you don't want to skip doing this the right way up front. Um, and then it all sometimes just sometimes less is more, you know, you don't need to keep justifying your fees, just say them matter of factly, if you have a good, a good connection with a client, they might just say, okay, you know, don't yeah. accept a yes, if they're ready right. to, to move forward. <laughs> um, so different for everybody, but um, yeah. I think practice it and try to reframe it even in a quick in your quick spiel, just reemphasize it's worth it. It's an investment, get this done right up front, it will save you so much time and money down the road. Mm-hmm. Now we all hope and we want that client to say yes at the end of that consultation, but what happens if the client says no or is resistant to the idea of working with you? So sometimes it's a it's a great thing if they say no. We don't want everybody to work with us. We don't want people who are going to question every okay. fee. So Mark, at the end of the consultation, we all want that client to say yes and to sign on and retain us. But what do we do when that client is resistant to retaining us or isn't ready to say yes? So I think the first thing is there's a little small error in your question. We don't want everybody to say yes. If they're showing that they're really fee sensitive and they don't value what we're doing, if they're already trying to bargain us down, probably not a great client. Uh, they pro- mm-hmm. If they don't value what we do, we don't want to be dragged through the coals or challenged every time that we're going to do more work for them. So sometimes a no is actually a good thing. And that goes back to why we as a practice very rarely offer free consultations outside of initial calls, because we want to screen those people out right away. That being said, there are a lot of people who are on the fence who could potentially be great clients who are just a little bit unsure. So a couple of things that we can do are 
one, make sure you always have to have a follow-up plan. If they're not ready to commit right away, make sure that you say, hey, I'm going to probably follow up with you in a few days just to check in. Um, you might say, I'm going to follow up with a quick note. You might, If it takes us five minutes to write them a very quick letter, just saying, hey, it was great meeting you. Um, here's some issues I think we can help you with. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. That can be helpful. But generally speaking, if people don't commit in that initial call, the odds go way, way down or that initial meeting, the odds do go down. I was just reading Robert Cialdini's, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Cialdini, uh, his book, Pre-Suasion. Um, and he talks about the power of attention. We think what we give our attention to, we lend importance to. So when you're speaking with an expert, when a client's speaking with you, they're giving you their attention. They are raising up these issues to be very important to them. And while you're speaking with them, that's your best chance, frankly, to get them to commit to work with you. If they go away, everything you talked about, the excitement they have or the stimulation they have will fade pretty quickly. They get distracted by 50 other things. So I do think it's good to sometimes if they're on the fence to say, hey, look, why don't we schedule a meeting for a week or two out that gives you time to gather your thoughts, come up with questions. If you need to cancel it, we can, but let's just get it on the books because my calendar will get crazy, your calendar will get crazy. And often that's a way for to get people going. Um, you never wanna pressure people. If they're really resistant, there's only so much you can do. And, and you don't wanna pressure someone into working with you, especially if you don't see immediate needs. But sometimes there are clients where you see so many issues that you can help them with. Like let's say in our, our practice, uh, adult child calls and their mom has um, dementia and is about to go to a nursing home and they don't know what to do. You, they need us, you know, in really tough situations, some clients need us. So let them, it's okay to be a little bit pushy in some way. Say, look, I'm so glad you called me. This is exactly what we do. I really think we can help you. We need to get something on the books. Waiting will not help you. I think some time sensitivity is really good because the reality is waiting longer doesn't do anybody any good. There is right. no benefit to not getting your trust updated right away. Um, and I'll talk about how I like to make a comparison sometimes to insurance because in some ways updating your core legal documents, it's a form of insurance. It's making sure that people who you trust and who you care about can step in and help you. It's a way to make sure all your matters are covered, but yet you don't have to pay a monthly fee for it. You just get it done once and, um, and you're done. So there's no benefit to waiting, unlike insurance where you, you get covered, but you have to pay every month. So you know, I'll talk about that to frame it as something that's good to do sooner rather than later. Yeah. Great. Well, Mark, thank you so much for all of this information. It has been very helpful. Um, for our listeners out there, how can they get a hold of you if they have questions or they want to reach out to you? Absolutely. So our law firm's website is just gilfix.com. That's G-I-L-F as in Frank, I-X as in X-ray, gilfix.com. You can find me on social media. I launched a Facebook a professional page is just Facebook backslash Mark Gilfix, M-A-R-K-G-I-L-F-I-X. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm getting more active there. It's just Twitter backslash or at Mark Gilfix, M-A-R-K-G-I-L-F-I-X. Okay, great. Well, thank you all for listening to Outer Law Answers for Attorneys. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share it with a friend or a colleague. And please subscribe on iTunes. You can find all the past episodes at podcast.elderlawanswers.com. See you next time.